Hello and welcome to the next edition of this Harrington Star podcast. Whether it's Fintech Focus TV you're listening to or our diversity and inclusion specials, we hope you're enjoying the shows and please do subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Women of Fintech podcast series. We're here today to celebrate the wins, raise awareness of the challenges, and walk the walk for change across the entire industry. Today, we are joined by Kelly Reed Parrish, the COO of Credit Kudos, an FCA-authorized credit bureau that uses financial behavior to measure credit worthiness. Kelly has been very vocal about the amazing things Credit Kudos has done for the FinTech community, especially when it's been needed most from the firms they back to the products they have created, and Kelly's here to share her story with us. Welcome to our Women of Fintech podcast series, Kelly. Thank you so much. Yes, thanks, thanks for having me. Um, so why don't you open up by telling us about Credit Kudos? Yeah, absolutely. So Credit Kudos uh, is a challenger credit bureau and a fintech uh, that aims to make it easier for people to access fair and affordable credit. And what we do is we new, use a new data set available through uh, a government-backed initiative called Open Banking uh, to help create more accurate uh, credit scores for individuals to use when applying for loans with lenders. Now, I can imagine you being the CEO, your role must encompass quite a lot. Could you talk us through um, what that looks like for you? Yeah, so uh, being a COO is kind of a jack of all trades. Uh, when I joined the company, uh, we only had four people at the time. So it's kind of been doing a bit yeah. of everything. As we've gotten bigger, uh, we now have 36 people. Um, some of the, the bits and pieces of my role that I used to do, I don't really need to do anymore. Um, so I mainly focus on strategy, uh, compliance, uh, day-to-day operations, so keeping the lights on finance uh, and customer success. And I also spend a significant portion of my time liaising with uh, government, with regulators and with investors as well. Wow, so it's quite a vast, um, vast amount of responsibilities you have there. Um, what, uh, what about your background that got you prepared for being able to, to cope with everything that you do day to day? Yeah, so, um, so when I first started my career, um, I worked for a company called FactSet, uh, which is a FinTech fintech based in the U.S. who uh, became quite big as a publicly traded company now. Um, but when I first started my career, I was working providing data and software to large banks and financial institutions, where I learned a lot about how fintech works and, and how these large financial companies make buying decisions and uh, how to best get them to use uh, unique and technologically advanced software. Often, uh, I think, a lot of your guests have talked a lot about uh, banks being a bit antiquated or perhaps being using technology that might not be the most up-to-date. And uh, it's quite a, a large task asking these large organizations to change the way they work. So I got a uh, <laughs> interesting education and in, in kind of how to do that in my first job. And then I moved over to a uh, large asset manager called Prudential. Um, which manages nearly a trillion dollars, at least uh, they did when I left, hopefully not doing too poorly during the pandemic. Um, And I worked uh, with the portfolio management team there, helping to uh, understand risk and the pricing of different uh, fixed income securities. So when a very large company needs to take out debt, um, 
I worked on a, a trading floor that would basically buy and sell that debt. So that was quite an interesting experience, especially uh, through the lens of uh, being a woman in fintech, um, just because the, the trading floor tends to be quite a male-dominated uh, mm. sphere. And it was very interesting seeing um, some of the female leaders and role models uh, in, in that role. And that was just wonderful to see and super helpful for me, kind of imagining where my career would go and kind of what I could do next. Um, and then before I joined Credit Kudos, I also worked for a uh, venture capital fund based here in London that evaluated uh, startups like Credit Kudos for investment. So it was really helpful in understanding what made a, a startup fintech company uh, to, to be something successful that would be able to take on finance. And I got a, a really great insight into how other leaders in those companies did things like hiring, managed finance, did operations, uh, kind of like the day-to-day -day, uh, struggles and, and uh, wins of running startups. So that was a really great introduction in, into the, the world of fintech. Yeah, it definitely sounds so. Like that, that's, such, um, that's such an interesting journey. And I love how you picked up so many so much of your experience from so many different places as well, like to get you to where you are today. So what about, um, back to Credit Kudos, what is it that sets you apart? And I suppose what attracted you to the business in the first place? Yeah, absolutely. So I think um, when I first moved over here to the UK, it was actually for my undergraduate degree, and I found that I couldn't get a cell phone contract. I just, no matter what I did, no matter what store I went to, it was impossible to get even a basic uh, pay monthly cell phone contract or mobile phone contract, as you call it here, um, because I didn't have any credit. And this is a common experience that happens all across the UK every day, not just to uh, expats like myself, but to any individual who's not on the uh, traditional credit bureau credit file register. And what I found is that in the end, I had to get a, a British friend to take out the contract for me and ended up just paying them each month for it. Wow. And yeah, and it, it happens, it's, it's not, that's just one small example, but you can imagine, you know, if you needed a loan, if your boiler broke and you needed to take out a loan uh, to fix it, to be denied credit is a, is a serious problem for many mm. individuals. And it's a really thorny problem because there's not great information out there about why you're turned down. Uh, you know, you're usually just told, no, we're not going to accept you for this loan. And there's very little information about what you can do about it. Um, and so it really attracted me to Credit Kudos and kind of what sets the company apart is that we're working very hard to make it really clear and transparent to individuals um, how lenders are assessing their creditworthiness and what data is being used to make that decision. And the kind of like overriding mission and the, the goal is to disrupt this traditional credit assessment market to make it fairer and easier for people to access credit they can afford. Well, I love the sound of that. Things being fair, things being easier, but also <laughs> giving people that clarity and transparency because you're right, it's incredibly thorny. You know, I've, I've spoken to friends who've, been, who've had things declined and they just don't know why and they've tried to go into their records and, and there's just hardly any information shared. So I think that's a brilliant purpose and mission. Um, that, that you and Credit Kudos are on. I understand why, um, why you felt that pain and then why, why, why you joined to try and make a difference. Um, so as a business, um, you're very heavily involved in the FinTech community and you work alongside a number of them. Can you talk us through that? Yeah, so the, I think the FinTech community in London is incredibly vibrant and strong. Um, there's lots of support for FinTech founders and for FinTech executives and 
um, kind of like this whole ecosystem around helping solve problems that are uh, as common to fintechs as how to run an engineering team, how to build a product, um, but also how to overcome certain uh, barriers that you face as a, as a small company. What we've also found is that there's a really collaborative spirit in the industry as well. Um, recently, during the first week of the lockdown, we actually uh, had a hackathon over a weekend where we collaborated with two other fintechs uh, to build a consumer-facing product. So something that people could use to uh, self-declare their self-employed income to the government to help access a furlough scheme or government assistance. And that was done over the weekend in conjunction with uh, these other other fintechs based off of uh, a tweet that uh, an investor had about what fintechs could be doing to help in the space. And um, it's just really wonderful to see that, that sort of collaboration and, and trust between companies uh, and, and partnerships as well. I read about that and I was super impressed because you know there's so many people that, that I know that needed that at the time, um, especially right at the beginning of the COVID-19 crisis, you know, you and a couple of others pitched in together and, and you, you did something for good, which is so great to hear. And I know that that's very important to you as a business, um, making sure that not just the industry is looked after, but of course your staff internally. So what do you do for um, your staff? Yeah, so um, in, in terms of just making sure that everyone's feeling comfortable during the pandemic, I think we and probably a lot of other fintechs are quite lucky in that we're very technology focused. So uh, it's fairly simple for us to do remote working and, and working from home. And we actually already had flexible working, flexible hours and uh, work from home policies. So we had some employees that would come into work early and leave early so that they could pick up their kids from school or some employees that had quite long commutes or wanted to spend more time with their families and, and uh, worked from home uh, certain days of the week so that, that they could do that. Um, and for us, it's always been really important to make sure that our employees aren't only uh, just doing their job, but are also thriving and are happy to come into work and, and feel like having a family or having a life outside of work isn't something that they need to hide. And rather we do everything that we can to make sure that individuals feel comfortable bringing their whole selves to work, even if it means you know, uh, messy arrangements with families or, or starting out what to do when your, your kid is sick. Um, it's just been a, a really important thing for us from day one to build the kind of company that we would want to work for. Um, and, and it's been quite successful. We have an incredibly low turnover rate. So it seems like we're doing something right there. Yeah, 100%. So um, I know that um, that sort of equality within the workplace is really important to you. And already you've touched upon a few things, especially from the family point of view, which, um, which I love to hear. Um, how else do you affect equality within the workplace? Yeah, so I think one other kind of big initiative that we had at the company is to make sure that when we have meetings or their group events to make sure that people who might feel less comfortable speaking up in a group or uh, might be less hesitant to kind of raise their hand and take credit for something, feel comfortable and safe that their voice is heard and that their opinions are, are valued. And so we've, we work really hard to make sure that everyone can have their say uh, and has a chance to kind of be celebrated and to stand up and uh, show their achievements. And, and that's been really helpful um, and especially really useful, especially as we've gone remote, um, having some time set aside each week to, to celebrate what 
our coworkers are working on, and also to to hear from from different teams about the successes that, that they've seen before. I'm really pleased that you mentioned that because um, that's often that's often overlooked within the workplace the differences of personality, especially now that everyone's on Zooms or Teams. There are simply some people who aren't going to talk up in that environment. Um, I'm reading a, a book at the moment, and actually, the uh, it's it's advice for. Uh, when you're an introverted person within business and how to make sure that you communicate effectively. And one of the things that's mentioned is that ever, whenever you're within um, a situation where you've got a number of people on a, on a Zoom or a Skype call, or you're in a, in a, in a large meeting, um, you can uh, encourage people to write within the chat box or before the large meeting come already send through their points to, to cover just to encourage people that wouldn't normally speak speak. So I'm so pleased that you've, you've mentioned that because that's often something that's overlooked, especially right now. Um, what about moving on to um, the future for female leaders? I know that's something that you're, you're quite passionate about. What do you do to empower future female leaders? Yeah, so we're um, quite lucky, or I guess this is probably more by design than by luck, but um, a number of our departments, so marketing, design, customer success, compliance, and for me, and operations, all of those departments at our company are led by women. Um, so in these kind of management positions, we, we actually have a 50-50 split um, between male and female, which I think is incredibly important to be able to model leadership for females in the workplace um, and just be very cognizant that uh, I, I was reading uh, a book the other day and they were talking about how it's incredibly hard to imagine yourself doing something that you've never seen before. So for example, you know, back in the day, it might've been very difficult to, for you know, a young girl to imagine herself being prime minister uh, if there'd never been a female prime minister before. And it's kind of a, on a more micro scale at the company, I think it's really important for uh, both potential new employees and for employees within the company to see that um, leadership roles and the, the modeling of what it looks like to be a good leader uh, can come from uh, everyone from diverse backgrounds, uh, especially females as well. Mm, that's, that's, yeah, absolutely key. And I love that. And I think I'll quote you on it. Um, <laughs> uh, so you said it's incredibly hard to do something you haven't seen before. That's brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. And this is kind of part of this, um, this podcast series as well for people listening to this to see what you've accomplished and what you've done within your career. So as my final question, just to everybody that's listening, listening, other fintechs, maybe businesses outside fintech or individuals, what do you think we should all be doing more of to, um, to ensure we've got better equality within the workplace? So I think it really starts in education. Um, I have a, a lasting memory of walking into the engineering computer lab of my university and every single person in the room was male and there were, there were no female engineers in this computer lab at the time. And it's just a really powerful imagery, I think, to women who are deciding what to study or potentially moving into STEM fields when it feels like that it might be an environment that's perhaps not welcoming to them. And so I think it, it will take a, a large effort of both the media to changing stereotypes about what an engineer looks like or what someone who uh, goes into banking looks like to make it more inclusive to women and, and to, uh, to all, all people of different backgrounds. Um, and then thinking beyond university, like the, the way that we do recruitment, I think needs to have a more inclusive 
uh, viewpoint of not writing job descriptions that just appeal to things that uh, stereotypically apply more to men. I was reading uh, an article the other day that, that mentioned that women didn't apply to jobs that had uh, characteristics in the job description that made it seem uh, like a more aggressive or kind of like top of the field or best of the best. Mm. Um, and that women tended to favor job descriptions that had more of a collaborative approach and talked about working with the team. And obviously those are stereotypes and uh, not something that I'm trying to promote, but I think the idea is that it's really important to understand your audience and what these kind of small changes that you could make in a job description might make for who feels like it's meant for them. Um, and then kind of what we spoke about before with having family friendly policies and, and not pretending like your life outside of work doesn't exist. And this really needs to come from senior management modeling that they are also uh, going to take advantage of these policies and it's not going to be something uh, that's detrimental to uh, individuals who might be more junior. And then I think there's there's kind of a broader thing that I think is more something that I see happening less frequently, but I think it's quite an important uh, piece, which is that I, I think oftentimes in, in mainstream culture and in workplaces, things that are considered traditionally feminine, so it's like an interest in fashion, or perhaps watching, uh, there's a show in the US called the, the Bachelor that I would say is very popular and it doesn't exist here, but things like that where they're seen as kind of like frivolous and not as important as like talking about the latest football match or, or sports scores. And I think that there is probably like a, a realignment that needs to happen in society and in the workplace to make women feel like they don't need to come into the workplace and act more male in order to be successful. And rather they can act the, the way they want to, kind of who they are as an individual and not kind of fit into this box. And I think that will hopefully have the effect that I mentioned before about when younger women are looking at coming into a workplace that it feels inclusive and like a space that they could see themselves fitting into the way they are and not needing to change the way that they uh, act in order to fit in. Well, I think that's um, a, a brilliant, brilliant way to end the podcast because if, if we could make that happen and if all of us could just do our bit to, to, make, to make all of those things that you said happen, then I think we all step forward so, so much further more than we are right now. Um, so I think that's been such an insightful pod. I really appreciate your openness and your honesty. And, um, and it's just so real, everything that you said, especially that last point that's really stuck with me that... Um, we shouldn't have to feel like we need to fit into a box, but but actually changing society as well as the workplace can, can really help us all move forward. Um, so Kelly, thank you so much for sharing your insights today. It's been brilliant learning about um, who you are, who Credit Kudos is, what, what you do um, and what you do as a business, because it's definitely paving the way for change for um, for women and for diversity as a whole um, and inclusion within the industry. So thank you very much for your insights and thank you for being on part of the Women of Fintech uh, podcast series. Thanks for having me. I appreciate uh, someone talking about this in the mainstream. I think it's, it's part of the change that we need to see. Great. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.